The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. I want to read our scripture for us this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 12. Uh, if you're not really familiar with your Bible, it's about three quarters of the way through it. Uh, you've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. If you hit Acts, you've gone a little bit too far. It's right before that. But we're going to be in John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The whole house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. So it's episode 10 today, episode 10, final episode in our strange but true crazy stories from the Bible. You'll see icons all scattered around the stage today. Those of you that are newer here going, what is all this stuff here? Uh, it's all kind of uh, signposts, uh, little icons of things that actually happened in these various stories we've looked at this year. Everybody around right now, take your program out, just the, the program you got handed on the way in. Um, here, we're going to do a thing together. We, we are super excited here. Uh, and we're going to read what we're all about here on the front cover of our program. We're going to read it out loud together. And don't be lame like Saturday night was, where they kind of read like, uh, we're going to read it with some conviction today. We are all kinds of people discovering and following Jesus. That was fantastic and amazing. And today, that story we're looking at is a picture of the various kinds and ways that people connect and relate with who Jesus is. We're going to see some people that are at the table. We're also going to see some people that are around the table here. And we, we see here in chapter 12, verse 2, it says that dinner was served in Jesus' honor. In Jesus' honor, which means that everything we do here at Cross Point Church is all about being honor, all about honoring Jesus. So our small groups that we talked about, our grief share program that we have here, our weekend services, our singing, our teaching, our camps, everything that we do is to honor Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it's a great life verse for you to memorize, to put up on your mirror, whatever. Here it is, up on the screen here. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
Do it all for the glory of God, which means there's not any part of your life that you don't live to glorify God in. It's not like you got, okay, this is my work life over here, my family life over here, TV life over here, sex life over here. No, everything. Everything to the glory of God, which means today what we're going to tell you, the first thing to write down here, first things first, we honor Jesus in everything. Now, there's not spiritual parts of your life and unspiritual. Your job at home, spend everything you do is we're here to honor Jesus, which means we honor Jesus in everything. Uh, we don't honor you in anything. Because, look, this, what we do here as a church, it's for you, but it ain't about you. It's, it's not about you. You're not the point. See, the thing is, when we get that wrong, here's what happens, is Jesus starts working for us. And Jesus goes, I'm not working for you. I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. Your life is going to make more sense when you understand that your life exists to honor me, not me coming around making sure you're okay, and are you okay with me? Are you unhappy? Are you frustrated? Whatever it might be, just Honor Jesus in everything, in every part of your life. So I wonder today, we're going to take a look at some people around this table here, uh, where you find yourself. Because some of these people are going to go, oh, that's kind of like how I am, and I'm not really like that at all. The first people we're going to see here are the people that are, you can write uh, on, on your note sheet there in that program, they're foes of Jesus. They're oppositional to Jesus. You can see this uh, here. It says in verse 9, excuse me, verse 10, the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it's because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. You know, so what's the deal with Lazarus? Why do they want to kill him? Glad you asked. Chapter 11. Whole chapter is about a guy who had been dead for four days. Everybody knew he was dead. He was buried in a tomb, gone and done. And Jesus walked over that tomb and said, roll that stone away. Get out, Lazarus. And Lazarus came walking out. That had been a crazy story. And people saw it happen. There were eyewitnesses to all of it. And it tells us here at the end of chapter 11, verse 53, it says this. So from that time on, after Lazarus had risen from the dead and everybody saw it, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Have you ever thought, or maybe you know people like this, because maybe you've never thought this, but like this, here's the thing. I've thought it myself from time to time in my life. God, if you would just do something big and dramatic in my life, with my family, with my finances, with Gosh, my, my daughter who's making me crazy right now or a health problem that I have right now. God, if you would do something dramatic and powerful and amazing, boom, I believe in you and that would convince the whole world. And the truth is people saw a guy, raise a guy from the dead, and they didn't kind of go, well, not my deal. They went out to kill him. So getting some big dramatic sign from Jesus is not going to be the thing that's going to convince you. If you don't want to believe, nothing's going to convince you because if you don't want to believe, you will find 18 reasons to write it off. You'll find all kinds of speculation, well, it's this or that, whatever else, uh, and when, if you're looking for reasons not least. So these people are foes. They're oppositional to Jesus. The next people we see are fans of Jesus. And fans of Jesus, I made up a word today, are, to make it rhyme and everything, are evaluational. I know that's not a word for those of you that are English people. Uh, I actually tried to see if it was anywhere out there. It's not. They're evaluating. These are the people, it says here in, chat, in verse 9, that all these people are coming to see Lazarus. To go, let's, that guy was dead for four days. I mean, that's the guy would be, he would have 30 million followers on Instagram today. He would be a, an influencer in the whole influencer world. I was dead in a tomb for four days. And you want to know, so what happened while you're in there? Did you, did you go to heaven? You, all that stuff. He'd been interviewed on every show, every podcast would have wanted him as if they want to come and see him. And they're fans of Jesus because they're 
Lazarus rose, Jesus rose him from the dead. That's fantastic. They're, they're freaked out by that, and they don't get it yet. They're not really following Jesus yet. They're more fans of Jesus. And sometimes if we're not careful, people like me in churches will look at people who are fans of Jesus who are not yet following going, come on, guys, get your act together. God doesn't want you. He doesn't want any fans. We want followers. So if you're not yet, get in or get out. And look, we're not saying that one bit of that here. If you're here today and you're just a fan of Jesus, you're just here checking things out, kind of kicking the tires, we say here, you don't have to believe to belong. You can still be checking things out, kicking the tires on this and all that, and just kind of curious about it all. And they're kind of just wondering what's going on. Now, here's our deal. We are never going to be content here with you just being fans of Jesus. Everything we do here is to get you to follow him, to surrender your life to him and recognize that what he did for me 2,000 years ago on that cross and that resurrection counts for me today to restore me back to a relationship with God. So that's everything that that's all about. So that's what we're, we're, we're getting after here. That's the people that are kind of around the table. Now we have the people that are at the table, people that are sitting right there at the table. The first person we see at the table is Lazarus. And Lazarus, when it comes to his relationship with God, how he responds and connects to God is he is relational. He's relational how he does it. He's sitting there and he's hanging out. I was thinking, talking to the guys yesterday. We had like 17 guys on Saturday morning came out to a men's Bible study thing. This is what's going on here. Yeah. And some of you don't know about that. We haven't even advertised that thing. We advertised probably have 100 guys show up. Uh, it's Saturday morning. You want information about get, get that. It's people just sitting around with food and Jesus. Just hanging out with Jesus. Relational. But it's not. Well, let me, let me before I tell you what it's not. For if, you're, if you're like Lazarus, you might be like Lazarus. Where like, man, I love to get my Bible out. Uh, listen to podcasts, get books out, get a little journal book out there, and me and Jesus go sit over here. And it's something the bio, that, the, that we call in church history has become known as like devotions or your quiet time. And you sit there with the Bible, you read it, you listen to something, you pray for a bit, you maybe have a prayer list there in your journal. It's, it's where you connect with Jesus. But understand something. Um, that's certainly important. If that's you, that might be you're more like Lazarus. But it's never just about just me and Jesus because it's private, private, but it's not personal. No, I'm sorry. Rewind that. Take that out. It's personal. It's not private. We're always called to be in community with people. So Lazarus is not just out there, just him and Jesus having their own little thing here. He's out there there with his buddies, out there with the fellas, out there just hanging out. I don't know, having nachos, having some good, good beverages, all that kind of thing, just hanging out with Jesus. And so I wonder today, if you're, more, if you're like Lazarus or wondering what that's like, a relationship with God, the key action item, you'll see underneath on the note sheet there, key, A, key, K-A-I, key action item. It, it might be for you today, your key action item is join a group. Justin just talked to you about it. This week, sign up start. Now, the truth is the advertised special is they start on Saturday signups. We have a secret code that some of you are going to get. Uh, we're all going to give it to all of you. It's not that secret if everybody gets it, right? Where you actually can sign up on Friday. So I encourage you, get, get in that, get in a group. 80 to 90% of you as adults here at Crosspoint are in one of those groups. If you're not in a group yet, it's like a little weird. I don't know these people here. There's some weirdos there. Trust me, there's weirdos everywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to tell you, like, it's going to be awesome and amazing. Great friends. It's one of the best things you can do to connect with God is to connect with people and do life in community and have that kind of support and prayer and encouragement around you. Get in a group. Join a group. Then we see Martha, where Lazarus is relational, 
Martha, Martha is a servant. Martha is impactful. She wants to serve Jesus. She connects God with God better when she's doing stuff for him. She's, she's one of those people, she gets stuff done. You want to find someone who's going to get stuff done? You go find people like Martha. That might be you. Like for you to sit down with your Bible in a quiet time, you can do it, but it's, mm, you feel more alive and connected with God when you're serving, when you're making a difference. You're, you're sitting down with people and discipling people and talking with people and praying with people. It's, it's impactful for her. Now, she's productive. Back in this, in, uh, there's a story about Martha in the book of Luke that's earlier than this one. Martha is, they're having a dinner at, at the house, and it says Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus, just sitting there, listening and all enthralled. And Martha comes up and taps Jesus on the shoulder and said, hey, I'm really busy out there in the kitchen. Could, could you tell Mary to get up and help me? And Jesus looks at her and says, oh, Martha, Martha. You're so busy and frantic about so many things. Mary's chosen what's best, and that won't be taken away from her. And it's a, it's a powerful thing for those of us that, that uh, are too busy with everything, thinking that the busyness is the sign of godliness or, or the sign of being a good American or whatever it might be. Now, the tricky part on this, I think Martha gets a bum rap because of that. Because the truth is, Jesus doesn't tell Martha, hey, just sit down here and don't, I mean, do your work, Martha. He's like, do, do what you do. You do you. Um, but he also is going to tell us, uh, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. There's all kinds of stories Jesus talks about. He says, I give you gifts and talents and abilities. And there's this idea of stewardship. Be productive with the talents and experiences and, and resources I've given you. Be productive. Serve like crazy there. There's a great story, too, in uh, the, uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew 9, 36 to 39, Jesus likens this idea to a big, like imagine Yellowstone, for those of you that watch that show, or a big, massive farm, big ranch out there. And Jesus says, look, look out there at the harvest fields. The problem is not with the harvest. The harvest is ready to go. There are all kinds of people out there that are just ready to go. What we need is some people to push back from the table and get out in the field. On the night that he's betrayed, on the night that he's betrayed, one of the last things he does is he sits down with his disciples and he takes off his outer robes and does the gritty, grimy work of washing people's feet. Now, we hear that and think, okay, we get manicures and pedicures. Wash, what's the big deal? When you walk around bare feet all the time, sandals out there, no sanitation out there, so garbage, animal dung, human dung. Way, I mean, it's all over everywhere in there. And so that's what he's doing. He's washing feet that day. So serving is a fantastic way to you, for you to connect with God. And that can be in your home, in the workplace, here at Crosspoint. Uh, all the time people think, well, man, it just feels like you guys got things wired here. <laughs> you haven't been around long enough. And here's the deal. We don't have any of our teams that are full. Even I, I tell people right now, I'll, I'll, I'll write you up. If people come to you and say they want to serve on your team and you say, hey, hey we're already full here, we're going to have a conversation. There's always a space. We always want new people jumping in. So if you're newer here with us, Get, uh, the thing to write down here is the key action item here is, uh, is join, join a team. Not just join a group, but join one of these teams that we have here. And, and so that's Martha. She connects with God by serving. She's there serving this day with Lazarus and Jesus around the table. And then Mary does this crazy thing. She takes a bottle of perfume and it tells us there, that it's worth a year's wages. Now, I have no idea 
you know, what you make or I make. I, I did the Google search on this. About the average wage in, in where we live right now is around $80,000, $80,000 to $90,000. Now, some of you are going, could I please get to average? Some of you are going, you've moved. You're the ones, you're the ones that we reason people down here. <laughs> That's average. Imagine a bottle of perfume worth $90,000. If you have a bottle of perfume in your house and it's worth $90,000, are you wealthy? Yes. You're, you're like ridiculously wealthy. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are crazy wealthy. Crazy wealthy. But she takes this. She's so amazed by Jesus that in this powerful moment here, instead of taking the water and washing Jesus' feet, she breaks this open. Ninety grand bottle of perfume on his feet and then does the crazy thing, not with a towel to blot it up. She takes her hair. Remember, Animal dung, human waste, all kinds of stuff is all around that. And she's wiping off all of that stuff off of Jesus' feet with her hair. Something I'll never be able to do. <laughs> you know why she does it? She doesn't do this because she's supposed to do it. This is not like, well, Jesus is here, so I'm supposed to serve him. And I got a lot of money, so all right. You know why she does it? She's geeked out about Jesus. She is so, so absolutely passionately loves, respects, honors Jesus. She can't help herself. And she does something here that just doesn't make sense. Um, and, and, and Mary does this crazy thing, and then Judas is critical of her. Judas goes, you know, and that's Judas, he's critical. Um, you know, we could have sold that, and we could have made a lot of money, and we could have taken care of some poor people, which is absolutely true. Well, we, some of you guys here sponsor Compassion Kids. We'll have that next year, Big Compassion Weekend. We sponsor a bunch of those kids right now. Right now, you know how many Compassion Kids you could sponsor with $90,000 for a year? For a year, you could feed, clothe, medicine, education for 180 children who would not get it, who might die or have sickness and disease. So I would get that and go, well, that's a legitimate thing. Like, what I want to tell you today is that sometimes... Sometimes with Jesus, things aren't practical. Now, look, there's no problem with, with thoughtful questions. But uh, I'm being careful here. In every church, I've been a pastor now for a while, uh, you can always find something wrong with the church you go to. Um, some of you love our church because you've been here for three minutes. Look, all churches, you know, here's the crazy thing is, our church was perfect until you showed up. <laughs> There's real people out there, and you're always going to find something wrong. And those of you that from time to time send me little podcasts about, they, there's different guys that have YouTube channels and Twitter and all kind of stuff, and they're always out there, well, Stephen Furtick this and Joel Osteen this and that, 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 that. You know what I do with those when I get them? Delete them. You know why? Because i got enough of my own stuff that Jesus holds me accountable for. I don't need to hold anybody else accountable. It's up to God to figure all that stuff out. So, and you start doing that, you start going, well, look at us, we're so much, like that. That's a dumb, silly, stupid thing to do. And I also find, too, it's interesting that it says that Judas was taking money that did not belong to him. What I find with people that are critical in churches, critical people are takers, not givers. They, I, I, we, I mean, people have left here, and some people, when they leave, go to different churches. It's for good reasons and all that. I'm not talking about that. But people are just about stuff. And you go back and look, okay, where are they serving? How are they giving all that? You find out they're not doing anything anyway. They're just consumers. 
And I want to kind of tell them, okay, there's the door. Just go find another place and consume there and be a drain there. Sorry, is that a little too honest today? <laughs> Some of you are going, gosh, we thought we liked this church until he talked. Um, I wonder today, though, we would look at ourselves and go, well, I'm not. Like when the buckets go by, I'm not deep, dipping in that bucket and taking money out. So I'm not taking money that doesn't belong to me. But I wonder today, are you? Perhaps. Now, if you're not yet a Christian, you're brand new to all this discovering, following Jesus thing. This next two minutes is not for you. You can go check scores of games or book lunch reservations or whatever you're going to do. This is for those of us who identify ourselves as people that are Christians. We're, we're, we're following Christ. Uh, Malachi makes it very clear that when we do not give to God off the top, the Bible calls it tithing. The idea there is actually a tenth of our income. But off the top, it's more the idea of not just a tenth. Because then it's all, well, is it gross or net? If you're not giving your first and your best to God, God makes it very clear. He says to the people of Israel, he says, look, here's the deal. You people, will you people rob God? They go, we don't rob you, God. We don't steal from the temple treasury. He goes, yeah, you do. Because you're not giving to me. You're taking money and using it for yourself, and it doesn't belong to you. And so he challenges them on that. And here's the deal. God expects, expects us as followers of Christ to give our first and best. I would tell you to, to tithe, to give 10% of your income off the top, not the leftovers, not when you've done all your stuff out there. And look, guys, this today is not about our budget. You'll look at our budget today and go, well, he's doing this message because our, we're behind for the year right now. We have money and savings to bridge all that gap. And the whole thing all the time while people go, well, does God really need my, they over-spiritualize it. Well, God doesn't need my money. Well, God may not need it, but we do. <laughs> but here's the deal, okay, this is not about what we want from you. I want this for you because God makes it very clear. He says, look, in, in the book of Malachi, he says, test me on this. The only time in the Bible God says, put me to the test. Every other time God says, do not test the Lord your God. This time he says, put me to the test. Try it and just watch what happens. And he says, here's the deal. You can give what doesn't really belong to you anyway and watch how I bless it like crazy. I was talking to a, a guy this week after church last week, and he was telling me the story of in his life, and he wasn't really, you know, he's a Christian, following Christ, but not really tithing or giving. Businesses going, going, maybe not going well, kind of frustrated, whatever. He thought, what's it going to hurt to tithe? You know, and nothing else is working. He said, crazy what happened with the business and how things turned around. I know all kinds of, my, my story has stuff like that. All, I could bring all kinds of people up here, but look at me. This is not about tithe the God and you'll win the lottery. Because there's what, a notorious B.I.G. or Puffy or whoever he is, says more money, more problems. Money is not going to be, more money is not going to be a solution for you necessarily. What you'll see happen for you as you learn to trust God with your money is that there's a blessing for that where he unfolds. And God says you can give what doesn't belong to you anyway. But if you don't give it to me, he says, I'm going to get it anyway. And then when I take it, it's a bummer for you. There's no blessing to it. And life doesn't work out and you're frustrated. Here's the deal. Proverbs. 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. And then he goes, okay, yeah, don't trust yourself. Tr trust God. The next few verses. The next thing that Solomon says there in Proverbs when it comes to, okay, here's what it means to really trust God. Verse 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your money. Because look, man, I've, I've been a pastor now for... <laughs> There's a reason I look as bad as I look for 40 years. You guys did this to me. Um, no, I love it. It's awesome. But here's the deal. 
Money, I've discovered, is always the last holdout in people discovering and following Jesus. I'll trust God. I'll come to church. I'll join a group. I'll join a team. I'll go to counseling for my marriage. I'll go serve. I'll go do all this kind of stuff. Money is always the last holdout. And yet I'm telling you right now, it's the one that when you get that free of that, what happens like this is money's doing this to you. You're holding on to it. I don't know. I don't know. And when all of a sudden you okay, God, off the top, boom, you know what happens? Hmm. You stop being the slave of your money. It stops running your life when you can be generous like that and give to God off the top. I just encourage you, really trust God. So what this means is, don't be like Judas. Don't be the company of the critical. The key action item under Judas's name there is join the company of the committed. Join the committed. It says, look, God, God I'm, I'm not going to hold out. I'm not going to hold out on you anymore. I'm, I'm not anymore going to hold out. I'm going to trust you with this. So off the top, I'm just going to do this. And God says, just watch what I do to bless your life like crazy. Then we uh, get around the table, and there's Mary. There's this crazy extravagant thing. She's enthralled by Jesus. It's this amazing gift that she does, and she's geeked out about Jesus. And it wasn't like, just so you know, it wasn't like Mary did this every time. We see over and over again, Mary just sits with Jesus, listens to Jesus. This is a, a once in a while kind of a thing. But once in a while, you just get how amazing Jesus is, and he freaks you out a little bit. You, I say sometimes there's a verse in, in Ephesians. It says, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And, and that's a great verse. And people use it all the time. Like, okay, my finances or my boyfriend, girlfriend wanting that or that. It's not about that at all. You know what it's about? The, first, the verse before that goes, now all glory to God. He says, I want you to understand how, how unfathomable, how unbelievable, how you can't grasp this love that goes beyond, you, you can't grasp how fantastic his love is. I pray you get that. He says, and now to him who can do immeasurably more than we ask or think, the best thing that can happen for you is you would get how really amazing Jesus is. When you get that, man, everything else just takes care of it, it, takes care of it for you. I, I pray this for you for all the time. From the very beginning here at the church, I want people to know Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus and all that. I want you to give. I want you to serve. All those things kind of need to happen. But the core thing, the reason Jesus says to Mary, she chose what's best, is this is where it starts. Nobody ever does anything because they're supposed to for long term. Now, your kids do it because they're supposed to because you can hurt them. You can punish them. At some point, you're going to do, you don't do supposed to. You do the things you're going to sustain with because you're excited about doing it. You get to do that. So I've got to, to liven this up in our hearts, which means it's why devotions or quiet time, reading the Bible and praying. Some of us look at, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> okay, two more minutes. What I want God to do is freak you out about how amazing he is. And you do that, and then reading the Bible won't be a problem at all. Joining a group, volunteering, serving, because you're freaked out and amazed by Jesus. Um, wh why we give here? People here at Crosspoint who give consistently do not give because there is an obligation, because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to, or because they look at the budget thing and do it. You know why they give and give crazy generous? Not because we're amazing, because Jesus is amazing. They're so freaked out by Jesus. And so here's the deal. They're fanatics about Jesus. So the key action not under Mary today, I couldn't think of a better way to say it. It might be a little awkward for you today. The key action is join the fanatics. Jo join a group, join a team, join the committed, and then join the fanatics. Become like a, a, a Jesus freak. And like, I'm not talking about, gosh, there's so many people that are Jesus freaks and they're just weird because they're weird. I'm not talking about that. You don't have to try to be weird. 
and do, use dumb words nobody uses and all that kind of stuff. Just you're so impressed and amazed by Jesus, which means from time to time, people might look at you and go, why do you do that? Like when you go take vacation time, that you've worked hard all year long and you take vacation time and your own money and you go overseas to tell people in places where they'd really never even heard the name of Jesus before, these short-term missions things, where people do this all the time here. You do that, you know why you do it? Not because you're supposed to. Because you're so amazed by Jesus and want other people to know who Jesus is. It's why then when um, you, hmm, why we sponsor kids here, missions, ventures. It's why, why people give here. Why you give even sometimes from time to time crazy outlandish kind of giving. Now look at me for a second. Most of us do not have $100,000 bottles of perfume sitting in our house. We can think, well, okay, that's fine for Mary because she has all that. Jesus has this another great story here right before uh, it happens right after all this. He's sitting in the temple and he's watching everybody go into the temple and they're bringing in, because they didn't have checks and Venmo and all that kind of stuff back then, bags of money. <laughs> Dumping it in there. Dumping it in there. And then a little lady walks over here. Here's a little side thing over here. And she drops in a couple pennies, diamond and nickel, something like that. And Jesus goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see that? This lady here gave more than everybody else did put together because she gave everything they had. $100,000 per bottle of perfume, she's going to miss it, but it's not going to impact her life. This lady doesn't have to be crazy amounts. Sometimes it's just the extravagance of, God, I'm going to trust you with this. Off the top, just boom, I'm going to trust you with my money. And I wonder about this sometimes too, like why we sing here. Sometimes you'll come here. If you're newer to faith and newer to spirituality, I know when I first was really getting serious about following Christ, I would go to churches. I would see people during the songs kind of close their eyes and kind of raise their hands. And I thought, are they I didn't know if they were volunteering. I thought, did he ask for a volunteer? <laughs> like he's singing right now. What's going on right now? I just, it didn't make any sense to me. I couldn't figure it out. See, when Jesus is amazing to you, you do the same thing with Jesus that you do with your dumb football team on Sunday if you're there. When they score, yeah! And say we're going to sing today. And so I want to say when we sing today, maybe some things that need to happen here in the house today for some of us is to be just geeked out, freaked out by Jesus. Let that in your heart. And here's the reason we don't sing like we're supposed to. Because we care about what everybody else thinks about us. And once you get how amazing Jesus is, whatever else thinks about to heck with that. Can't think about me. So some of you, we're talking about sitting at the feet of Jesus. She sits at the feet of Jesus and does this. It might be to, hey, I don't know, today during worship time, you, at your seat, kneel down right there at the feet of Jesus. They, these steps here are made for walking. They're also made for knees. To come and just take God here. I am, we're singing a song called, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Everything God that you are, everything I've achieved here, God, I'm laying it down here for you. You can sit there and go, I can play it same. Or we can go, I'm going to get after this. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing like a saved person, for crying out loud. Because who Jesus is. My dad was a pastor for a lot of years. Did a lot of different things in being a pastor. And uh, he did music ministry for a lot of uh, that time. And they didn't really have bands and stuff when we were growing up, at least in the churches I grew up in. So they do like out of hymn books and sing choir songs and stuff like that. Um, and he heard this story one time, wrote a song called The Wonder of It All. And so it's about a story in a guy named Gypsy Smith. And Gypsy Smith was a guy who became a Christian at, at some point, had all kinds of crazy stuff going on in his life. He was a gypsy, why they called him Gypsy Smith. He was so freak, and he got just, God just grabbed hold of his heart so much. And for the rest of his life, he just served God. He, he, he went to crazy places. He did outlandish stuff. And he kept doing it like 
kept, he didn't get to retirement age. Okay, now I'm going to just coast it in. He just kept going and going and going and going and going. And at the end of his life, people looked at him because, Gypsy, how do you keep doing this? And he said this, I've never lost the wonder of it all. I've never lost the wonder of it all. And when you get that, the wonder of it all, who, who God is. And so I wonder today. It starts with this fervent kind of love. We need to treasure Jesus above all. I wonder where you are in the story today. On that note sheet, there's Lazarus. Hopefully you're not like Judas, so forget about Judas for a second. There's, there's Lazarus, there's Martha, and there's Mary. Put a one. Put a one next to the one that's like most like you, you think. You're more like, if it's, you're more like Lazarus relational. Put a two next to like you're like, this is kind of true of me, secondary. And put a three next to one. It might be, hmm, I do that, but that's not like my main thing. Put a one, two, or three. And then we're going to take a quick little formal poll here. And again, none of these are better than anything else. Mary's not better than Martha. Martha's not better than Lazarus. They're all equally great, beautiful ways to come. I want to see right now, who are my people that are like more relational in their relationship with God? Like more like Lazarus. Let me see your hands. Okay. Who are my people that are more like, like, like Martha? Like I just like to do stuff and serve and do that kind of stuff. And who are my emotional people? More like Mary with all that. Yeah. You can see around here all kinds of different ways that we relate with God. So here's some, some quick things here, some advice for you to get a little practical. If you're more like Lazarus and you relate with God that way, then keep doing that. I talk to people all the time like, oh, I just, kept, I just feel distant from God. And I go, if that's your deal with relationship with God, are you getting and sitting with coffee and a cold beverage and a Bible? Oh, I'm just so busy. Like busy is the sign of spirituality in our world. <laughs> Take some time. I got to slow down. I got to get up early, stay late, stay up late, that kind of thing. Now, here's the thing. If you're more like Lazarus, some cautionary things on each one of these people today. If you're more like Lazarus, if you're not careful, you can sit around that table and you download 18 podcasts and you have three books that you're reading and you have all these pastors and sermons you're listening to. You come to the church services. You're there whenever it opens. All kind. If you're not careful, you can sit there and sit there and sit there at the table eating with your friends and all that kind of stuff. And at some point, you know what starts to happen to you? The food comes out. The band comes out. The sermon comes down. It's like, hmm. I don't know. I listened to this guy over here in my podcast, and he was so much better on this and that. And we can start to become, like, critical a little bit. Kind of going like, well, and the longer you stay around the table, I have discovered this with people who go, I just need to, hmm. This idea that I need deeper teaching. No, you need to obey the 10% you already know. Probably. The idea of deeper teaching is I just want to sit more and sit more. Nothing wrong with sitting. Nothing wrong with sitting and listening. But from time to time, how about you push back from that table and tell Martha, sit down here, girl. I'll do the dishes. I'll go serve on the team. Instead of me just showing up here and just getting great stuff out of this, I'm going to join one of those teams. We need people for Saturday night. on our. If you're a dude here today, listen to me. We need some of you guys to come out to Saturday night anyway to, for that service. If you're a dude not serving here, we need people on Saturday night, set up and tear down teams. If you don't sign up for us, we have people who are going to find you next week and, and enlist you gracefully and kindly or not. Um, get up and help. If you're more like Martha, I, guys, my, my big confession is I'm number two. I'm Martha probably like 70-80% in terms of how I feel most connected to God at times, making a difference with my life. And, and you have to watch out with that because at times you're not careful. Some of the people who have been most successful in the church world 
even the business world, are the most insecure people on the planet. You know why? It's because they had a parent or a coach or a teacher or somebody who looked at him when they're at some form of play in their life, like, you're never going to measure up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of talk down to him. And they said, I'll show him, dang it. I'll show him. I'll show him. I'll show him. I'll show him. And here's the thing what will happen. You'll get to a certain place. You go, did I show him yet? Did I show him yet? And if you're not careful, that gets projected onto God because you think somehow your efforts earn you God's grace. And they just don't. They just don't earn you that grace. But you think with God, have I been holy enough? Have I, have I served enough? Maybe I could join another team and another team and another team. And pretty soon you start thinking, is it enough? Is it enough? Is it enough? And then you do the opposite thing that I do, full confession here today, the self-righteous judgmentalism. Uh, I play the victim and the martyr and nobody cares like I care. Nobody serves like I serve. I, I do so much and nobody cares. You start to play a victim in love like Martha. I'm doing all the work out here, Jesus. Tell somebody to help me out here. What you need to do, if you're like Martha, is breathe. And maybe one of the best ways to love your children and love God is to close your door, put some music on, and remind yourself of the wonder of God's love. That you can't earn this, you don't deserve it. Just breathe. And see, here's what will happen. When you get this, when you experience unconditional love like that, then your service is not this obligation thing, well, i got to keep doing this, i got to keep doing this, got to keep doing it. What you do is you serve God with enthusiasm. You know what the word enthusiasm means? En, theos, en means in, in. Theos means God. It's like you're God-possessed. So you can serve God with enthusiasm, not, watch it, enthusiasm. If you serve God to earn people, approval of people, you're going to burn yourself out. And well, here's what happened. You'll go, stupid Christians, I hate them all. They're a bunch of self-righteous, judgmental consumers. When you get how amazing God is, then you're not doing it for them. You're doing it ultimately for God. And there's like Mary. You're more emotional. And it's beautiful. Jesus says, start with that. You've got to get to the heart and soul of things. You're more emotional. If, if that's you today, though, watch out. Because if it's just always emotional, it's always just you feel and feel and feel. If you're not careful, uh, all kinds of people have been, have done some really even sinful, stupid things because they felt it so strongly. Proverbs says it this way, zeal without knowledge will ruin you. So what you need to do is do what Mary does, because she doesn't just sit at Jesus' feet and pour perfume on him and cry and all that. So she sits at Jesus' feet and she listens to him. She's growing in her knowledge of God. And, and here's the deal. I don't know where you're at today, one, two, or three. People will tell you with this, okay, so if you're this, here's the one, two, and three. We need to be balanced Christians. I'll tell you today that's a load of nonsense. You need to be an unbalanced Christian. If that's how God's wired you, do your thing. And don't, here's the thing that will happen sometimes. Well-meaning Christians, because maybe they get up and they get their Bibles out and they read the Bible for an hour a day and they journal all that. They'll say, that's what a real Christian does. You should do this too because it's exciting for them. And they'll put pressure on you to do that too. Or to do missions trips. Or to say, how come you guys don't get more excited about God and worship? You sit there and just kind of sing and whatever. Like, don't let people impose that on you. So do your thing. Don't let people impose that on you of, doing, of being somebody else that you're really not. But it's also this. Um, don't do just your thing. Sometimes it's good to look at other people and how they relate with God. And go, I could probably learn some things from them about how to connect with God emotionally, or how to serve with some joy. So do your thing, just not your thing. This is why Jesus says in, when he's asked, what's the greatest 
greatest rule that you could follow for your life? He says, love God with everything. Write that down today. Love God with all your everything, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love God with everything, which is why then we tell you to join a group because of Jesus, not because it's a church program to do. Join a group, give, serve, give like that, not because of bus, not because there's a budget need to meet. Certainly there's all that stuff out there. You give because you're freaked out and amazed and stunned by who Jesus is. That's why we worship here. Again, like I said, we're going to sing some songs today. Going to get you to cry out to God and sing with all your heart. Man, Saturday night blew the roof off the place, and there was like one-third of the people here that were here. So we better, you better not, yeah, you better not. You better get after it today. And again, with, with worship, raise your hands, close your eyes, kneel. Come down here and take some time to just be with Jesus today. Let's get a little more excited about things. And here's the deal. The reason we do this is are we ever freaked out a little by Jesus? Are we ever just our hearts just like stunned by Jesus? Um, I've got a little granddaughter here. She's a picture here on the screen. The most beautiful granddaughter in the world right now. Little Stevie Rose. She's about two, maybe three months old right there. Two, three months old. This is her when she's like two weeks old. No, not that one. There's that one. Just sitting there. And then here she is. She's like an hour and a half, two hours old. She's like, she's smiling at me. I'm not sure she's smiling, but. And the joy that you feel with a child. Some of you have infant children right now. You know that, what it feels like, right? Just that joy that you have there. And you look at that child and you just think, man, they're just so beautiful and amazing. And it's so pure and beautiful and fantastic. And, of course, then they, you look at your child and you say, my child, I would, I would do anything for you. And you make anything for you. And then they become teenagers. <laughs> and you think, my child, I don't want to go to jail for murdering you. <laughs> but imagine now that pure relationship that you feel with those infants when it's just that life hasn't, with sin and foolishness and distractions, hasn't got that all, just that pure right there, right now. And imagine now that our God, the creator of the universe, has, has lived with that kind of passionate love for his son, not just for the little bit of time here when he was a baby, because it's eternally preexisted. They, they, they've been father and son forever. And it's been pure and getting better and better and better forever. It's been getting better and better and better forever. And our God, it says, he doesn't just come. The, the, what we believe is that, G, the, the, that God comes and he, he comes into our world. But, but this is more, far more profound than that. God doesn't just step off of, off of his throne and come into our world. It says that God, because he's a Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, he sends his child into the world. And the world, he knows what's going to happen to him. He's going to die on a cross. He's going to take the wrath and judgment of God and the world will be saved through him. I don't understand that, man. Because I'm telling you today, that little Stevie Rose up there on the screen, if it meant I could save you from some terrible disease or even save you from hell forever, and it meant that she would have to suffer, and I even knew, like God knew with Jesus, that he, he'll be okay at the end. I'm sorry, you're going to hell. If I could save every single, if every one of you in here aren't saved yet, and her suffering would mean that every one of you could be saved for forever. Even if I knew at the end she's going to be okay, I'm sorry, I am not 
doing that for you. That's, I, I can't do it. And then we're going to sing a song today, How Great Thou Art. There's a, there's a line in it that says, and when I think that God, son not sparing. Send him to die. I scarce can take it in. I can't fathom. We don't have, we don't have adjectives or verbs. We, we have no language for this kind of thing. And another song we're going to do today, too. This, this pure love of God is that uh, a song called How He Loves. And it's got great, powerful uh, lyrics in it. And, and one of the, wor- the lyrics in it is, Heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And it's the idea of that kiss when it's just, oh, caught you off guard a little bit. Now, unforeseen kiss, because here's the deal. I don't know. When the guy that first wrote the song, some of you will know this song, the lyrics were, Heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And all the tightly amount Christians went, oh, that's a little weird because Jesus is kissing. That's what he's saying here. What he's talking about is this idea of that passion and love that you feel. And you remember, guys, some, some of you, my you know, adults over here will remember some of this more, better than I will. But remember, guys, when you saw her, whether she was 16, 17, 22, 23, and you saw her. And she said yes to a date. And there on the second or third date, because you're not a jerk, you waited a bit, at the door as you're saying goodnight, you're leaning for that kiss. And then the quick lingering kiss went to sloppy, wet kiss. (laughs) Remember that? That's what he's talking about. And the next line says, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest when I think about the way that he loves us. So we're going to sing now. The band's going to come up. And we're going to take, take some time here to sing today. We're going to sing like we mean it today. We're not going to care if people think about us because we're so perplexed, confused, flabbergasted, stunned by the amazing love of Jesus. Just come and do whatever God leaves in your heart here. And here's the deal. Some of that is somebody might be watching for you. Come on, I don't want to be the first one here. Be the first one to step out in the aisle, to get down on your knees, to come down here, to raise your hands. Just We're going to sing like crazy here. We're going to give you a chance to come to the back of the room where there's people who are there, are part of our prayer team. And you might need prayer for something today. You might have some stuff going on in your heart and soul today you're wrestling with, and you just want someone to pray with you about that. I encourage you, make your way back there and do that. And then we come to tables of communion today. It's bread and juice symbolizing the body and blood. of little Stevie Rose. Not Stevie Rose, but Jesus of Nazareth. God's only son. With pure love like that, he gave him up for us. So you come to that table today with nothing but God. I just can't believe you did this for me. I'm stunned. I'm, there's no words to Jesus today. We don't need... I don't know what to pray for here, God. Just pray. I guess my prayer is for me, for us, wherever we're at on this journey of discovering and following you, that you would do something in our hearts to move us beyond obligation and duty and just obedience to love and joy and passion. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. 
For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.